Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, we're two rounds in for the British Touring Car Championship and after an intense battle last year that went right to the very end and was one of the most exciting motorsports to follow last year, let's find out if it's living up to the promise of building on last year. Of course, Tom Ingram, 2022 champion. The series by the numbers, well, 27 drivers, seven different makes and 10 weekends of action and one seven-time Formula One World Championship, even making an undercover secret appearance at Donington to support his brother. Yes, that would be Lewis and Nicholas. I'm talking about lots to discuss on the podcast today, including the tech, the cars, the drivers, and more importantly, the uh, the, the whole weekend of action that you get, not just with the touring cars, but with the Toka support package as well. Delighted to be joined to discuss all of that. Uh, by our group national editor, Stephen Licorice, and Marcus Simmons. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, where should we start? Well, first of all, I guess the premise of of the podcast, Marcus, is is touring cars in 2023 living up to what was a brilliant year last year. Why don't we talk about... Well, first of all, let's talk about some of the cars and the drivers on the grid this year, and, and, and maybe for anyone who isn't a super fan, just let them know what they need to know about touring cars this year. Largely at the front, as kind of continuation of last year, really, it's the same, generally the same leading contenders, the same leading teams. There wasn't much of a switch around in the in the driver market at the sharp end of the grid over the season. So you mentioned Tom Ingram, um, he beat Ash Sutton, Jake Hill, and Colin Turkington to the title last year. They were second, third, and fourth, and guess what? They're all in contention this year uh, with the same teams. <laughs> As they were last year. That, that's no bad thing because um, because it was an epic season last year, and um, we've also got yeah you know, some interesting uh, interesting sort of tweaks within the championship. For example, the um, the hybrid um, regulations, uh, which only came in last year, of course, but the the usage of the hybrid that's allowed to everybody tinkered with for this year, just to make it a a bit more what 
the, the championship once as far as balancing out the leading contenders from those who aren't. Can you explain what the hybrid rules are and and how that and how that works? Um, yeah, I mean it's um, it's a um, I can't remember the exact figure of. Uh, what what the boost is now and that's sort of lost in the mists of time from when it was introduced <laughs> last year so sorry about that everybody but, but anyway <clears throat> what they what they've done for um for this year is um uh i mean well what they did for last year sorry is that um introducing the hybrid allowed the championship to get rid of success ballast um where uh and in in 2021 that was 75 kilos of lead uh, for the championship leader um, down in increments throughout the throughout the top 10 uh, which is obviously a complete pain for the teams to you know re-engineer their cars around that weight because you know 75 kilos is is the weight of a fairly average adult um, which which the either the championship leader or the winner of race one or race two would then be having to carry in the subsequent race so um so the hybrid um hybrid gave the championship the opportunity to to ditch that and um instead of having success ballast uh, they had restrictions on the usage of hybrid now what they found was that during 2022 those outside the top 10 in the championship had no restriction on hybrid use um was that everybody was just using it at the same time and it just cancelled it cancelled it all out so it's like you know, it's like a hybrid version of a DRS train. So every, everybody, everybody was going around in single file, all using the hybrid boost button at the same time. So, so they got a bit, they got a bit cheeky over the winter and thought, right, okay, let's so, uh, let's uh, let's tweak this. So, so now you can only, even if you're outside the top seven in the championship, you can only use it on fifty percent of the racing laps. That then um, gives a bit of strategy into the into the usage of it. You, it means that everybody's not using it at the same time and then it goes down in increments um for the top seven in the championship down to the championship leader having the uh, the least amount of hybrid use and what, what they've also done is they've um lowered the speed at which you can use your hybrid so um last year you had to get up to 125 kilometers an hour before you could use the the hybrid boost now it's gone down to 115 but for the top seven in the championship it goes up in increments to 135 so if you're dan camish championship leader after donnington coming into brands hatch and you're say battling with battling with ash sutton his teammate who he was actually outside the top seven in the championship mm. heading to brands hatch coming off clearways onto the start finish straight ash sutton could get on his hybrid at 115 k's Dan Camish was, would be having to sit there, wait until he got to 135. So, so that's our performance balancing that we've got in the British Touring Car Championship. And it, it does, does work quite well. I prefer it to, um, to the ballast. Not everybody does. Yes, that, that electric motor adds about 30 kilowatts, 40 horsepower, uh, uh, peak power. So is that, we've only had a couple of events so far this year, but has that, has that worked at being a, a better way to balance performance than shifting bits of lead around a car? It did work from a point of view where so I, I always, I, I and, and, and many other people actually mm. sort of struggled with the concept of a championship leader arriving at the next event and qualifying 21st because he's got 75 kilos of balance. <laughs> and, 
And and also, it's a little bit counterproductive for the championship as well because you might get um, people who are fans of a particular driver or a particular team, or you know, particularly say Knock Hill, where they're, if your Scottish driver was leading the championship going to, into Knock Hill, then they'd have absolutely no chance. Hybrid system is better from that point of view because it's less of a penalty. But what they found last season was that um, the regulate. Uh, those regulations were producing racing that wasn't quite as entertaining as what we'd had before. It wasn't wasn't quite as much overtaken. So, so they tweaked the hybrid, and the other thing they've done is to bring back bring back the option tire for this mm. season. So, so you've got that strategy as well. And um, the opening round at Donington um, wasn't an option tire event, uh, which was just as well anyway because it was wet. It meant that we weren't able to really find whether the uh, the beast regulation the hybrid beast regulations work either and um, because wet weather kind of negates the effects of those tweaks but um for brands hatch um option tire was always scheduled um that said qualifying was wet so we perhaps didn't see the effects of the hybrid restrictions there um but we did a little bit in the races and it was completely confusing, to be honest, as to as to whether as to whether they work or not. Did um, it work or did it not? We, do, we, we still don't know. No, because, um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. We had Dan Camish leading the championship coming into the weekend, so he had the least amount of hybrid available in race one. He qualified on a brilliant pole position, stunning lap in the wet with minimum hybrid. Hats off to him for that. He was on the soft option tire for the first race, struggled away from the grid and um, finished right on the tail of Ash Sutton in second place. In race three, his teammate Ash Sutton had won race two, so therefore he had the least amount of hybrid use available, and he chose the option tyres for that race, so it was the same situation as Dan Camish had had in race one. Yet he charged through from 11th on the grid to finish second on the road and then win the race um, after Ricky Collard had been given his penalty. So mm. um, so it's a little bit early to say um, whether the whether the regulations work. As, as, um, as I said, I, I was confused. <laughs> uh, hopefully, Snetterton and Thruxton, which are the next couple of rounds, will be able to give us a bit more of a read on it. Um, Stephen, what do you think of the uh, the action so far this year? I, th- I think it's it's an interesting point. I mean, we spent a good chunk of the sort of first part of this podcast talking about the hybrid rules and there's certainly a less crude way of uh, sort of performance balancing between the cars than the success ballast but we've also spent quite a long time trying to explain the hybrid rules and that's the one downside to them is that it's not for someone watching say tuning in on ITV4 looking at, at touring cars perhaps the first time it's not necessarily immediately obvious exactly what is happening with the different hybrid the different amounts that each driver is able to use and that's i suppose perhaps one of the downsides to the system but if it creates better racing and it's understandable as something new is introduced that there are tweaks being made to it that the the, uh, the regulations are being refined but if it contributes to, to better racing then that, that's what we all want at the end of the day mm. in terms of the drivers you said that the, the the same familiar names are still at the front. Anyone notable that you want to single out from the action that we've seen so far this season? The Napa Racing uh, motor base run Ford 
Ford focuses. I mean, um, wow. Well, I I was I always like to go down to um, when I'm at uh, when I'm at Donington. I always like to go down to um, the bottom of the Craner curves to the old hairpin to watch free practice one. It's a habit I've had <laughs> since the 1990s. Uh, first session of the weekend, great place to go. Donington was actually dry on the Saturday. It was pretty miserable on the Sunday, but it was but it was dry on Saturday. And I was standing down there, and um, it was towards the end of the um, opening free practice session, and and suddenly I became aware of this yellow and blue missile coming in from my <laughs> from, from, from from the right of my vision, and I was thinking. Oh, there's no way. There's no way this car's going to make the corner. It must have brake failure or something. And it didn't. It made the corner, uh, accelerated away up towards McLean's. It was Ash Sutton with a new set of tyres on, having a little bit of a quali quali sim run. <laughs> and I thought, I have never seen an NGTC car going through this corner anywhere near as quickly. Blimey, wow. everybody else is doomed. Um, <laughs> now, for for one for one reason or another, he had an absolute shocker on at, at Donington um, once free practice was out of the way. And um, Dan Raybottom, his uh, one of his teammates, um, put in a thoroughly thoroughly superb pole position. And um, but then it went a bit wrong for him as well on the Sunday. And and it was Dan Camish um, in another one of the most base Fords. He, came through to win twice and take the championship lead. Um, but Ash was very much um, very much on it at Brands Hatch, although it was a sort of reverse of his Donington where he, he didn't have a good qualifying, but he had an absolutely incredible race day with two wins in a second. So, um, But what what happened with Motorbase is a cast your minds back 12 months ago and and they picked up um, Ash Sutton and Dan Camish before the start of the 2022 season. Um, Ash had come from the uh, the BMR and Laser Tools conglomerate running their rear-wheel drive Infinity Q50, and he, he won the past two championships. And, and Dan was coming back in from the Carrera Cup. And that was a real statement of intent from the team to snuck them up. But um, with Ash came his engineer, Tony Karatsev, um, from his BMR Infinity days and Subaru before that. It, but it was quite late in the winter. And of course, all the, all the efforts of the, um, the teams, all, all the teams in the BTCC were towards implementing the hybrid, and more specifically, the, the extra 70-odd kilos that that brings with it, change of the centre of gravity, etc. So, mm. But... Towards the end of last season, Motorbase were thinking, right, we're going to do a new build project for 2023. We're going to find a real-wheel drive car and, um, mm. and and produce a real weapon for next year. And, and for reasons that would be too long to go into here, they ended up deciding to stick with the Focus after all. But of course, what did they have? They had the Focus, which was probably, you could probably kindly call it a rough diamond last year, but, but they now had a full winter with... Um, Ash and his engineer Tony and and uh, James Mundy, who's the led the technical side of that project from the beginning, and engineers Dan Camish, and they just uh, properly properly got their heads into making making that car good for for this year, and it it is absolutely extraordinary the the pace that it's got, and and when I mean Ash says it feels like it's on rails, and he's absolutely right because if you look at the uh, we, we might talk about this for different reasons, but if you look at the if you look at the last 
race from Sunday where he's chasing Ricky Collard for, for most of the way. You can you can see coming out of clearways, um, Ricky in the Toyota is running right to the edge of the circuit in the way cars normally do um, when they're accelerating out of a corner onto a straight. But mm. but but the, the but Ash Ash Sutton in the Ford behind him is he's only using about half the track coming out of there. He's just <laughs> thinking, oh, blimey, he's probably actually bought himself about. F- five kilometers an hour deployment of hybrid there the work that's the work that's gone into that car over the winter has, has made it a, an absolute beast really which is um well, and it's amazing really because uh, that fourth generation focus st is is now in its fourth season but they've been able to find such a lot over the winter um and and they really are the ones that we've got to keep an eye on for the rest of the year because i i at this point, I, I'd hate to say it, and, and I don't want it to be true, um, because I want to see a ni- nice open fight for the championship. And um, but I'm I'm a little bit worried that it might um, it might end up being a two horse race in the same way as Red Bull is in Formula One. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they're off to a off to a great start already. Of course, this weekend. You'll be off to Snetterton. We've seen the Donington and, and Brands on the indie circuit um, so far. But, uh, yeah, as you say, you don't want to predict anything because, well, that's that's the whole point of watching touring cars. It's, it's entirely unpredictable. Um, so so that's, that's covered off the technology, the cars, and the drivers. Uh, what else should we be looking for this year? And, and what were you looking for going into 2023? And uh, how's the season going so far for you? No question that of the four strong BMW team, um, Jake Hill and Colin Turkington are the are the leading contenders from there. And um, it was very interesting that Jake came in last season and finished ahead of Colin in the championship for first time. And Colin's a four-time champion, obviously. Um, this year, um, the team have scored one win over the first two weekends, and it's gone to Colin. So, um, so that's yeah, that's quite quite a nice uh, little intra-team battle going on there. Um, they don't look like teammates, obviously, because Colin's got the conventional BMW livery and Jake's got the laser tools, but they're very much run out of the same stable. And then we've got um, yeah, some interesting things going on a, a little bit behind them. For example, the Speedworks Toyota team have got their, have this year got new engines, um, bespoke engines, uh, from Toyota rather than using the customer Toker engine. They were all happy with how that was going before the season, but it hasn't quite worked out for them this year yet, um, which is sort of a little bit in keeping with Speedworks starts to the past mm. couple of seasons, actually, and then a particularly calamitous race three at Brands where you just absolutely felt for all of them. One driver had a win taken away by a track limits penalty. That was Ricky Collard. Rory Butcher had an engine failure and George Gamble had a puncture and they were all running up near, at or near the front. You can't really do anything but feel really sorry for for, for those guys after, after that race. But, mm. um, you know, over, over at Accelerate Motorsport, obviously Tom Ingram in the Hyundai um, last year's champion um, felt as though he... He was perhaps missing something at Donington, but was quite happy with the way things turned around at Brands, and he did have a very good race day on Sunday. And we've got you know, some interesting underdoggy type people, like um, you know, Bobby Thompson in the Cupra drove really, really well 
um, at Brands Hatch, and and when I looked at the stats, um, yeah, he was chasing Ricky Collard and Ash Sutton, and and from before half distance to the end of the race, he was actually he actually had a quicker time than those two guys in front of him. So, you know, they've got proper race pace in that car, and he's he's also a a, a really good charger. Um, and we had um, some good debuts as well in the championship. Andrew Watson's come in from. GT Racing has done the Le Mans 24 hours a couple of times and finished fourth on his debut in the Power Max Vauxhall Astro. And Power Max are regarded as one of the, the minnow teams, if you like. Um, mm. And uh, so that was a really good effort. Ronan Pearson as well, looking good um, alongside Tom Ingram in the um, in the Accelerate Hyundai team. So it's, yeah, it's, it's there's plenty to be keeping an eye on. <laughs> Stephen, what do you think of the calibre of drivers in British touring cars and, and who do you look out for of a weekend? It's really strong. So there's so many potential race winners. I, I know Marcus has run through quite a few of them there, but there's so so many others further down the grid that perhaps haven't yet got to the front this year, like Josh Cook in the in One Motorsport Honda Civic, for example. Um, but just picking back up on what you're saying about Bobby Thompson, he's currently sixth in the points, which is an amazing effort for him considering um that the team hard operation hasn't always been able to extract the most out of those cars mm. but because he bobby Thompson is such a, a, a talented driver to, to be sixth in in the in the in the championship i know it's after only two weekends but it's still a, a truly incredible effort um and, and there's just throughout the grid there's there's plenty of drivers to keep an eye on and you know that even if someone's sort of qualified a little bit out of position, there's the potential for them to to come charging through and put in a, an impressive drive. And we were talking earlier about the the motorbase Fords and the, the fact that could be a, a an intra team rivalry there between Dan Camish and Ash Sutton. But we, we, we shouldn't also forget about Dan Robotton. I know we said that he qualified on on pole for the the Donington Park opener and didn't. <laughs> didn't have the best of starts and again at, at brands he, he qualified a bit further down the pack it didn't all come together for him and then he got collected caught up in an incident and that ruined his his weekend and he's not yet been able to sort of fully demonstrate the pace that he's got but he's a seriously quick driver as well we've seen throughout his career that he he can mm. achieve great results for example in the clear cup he was running um essentially as a privateer in a car run alongside his dad and he was really able to fight at the front challenge the the bigger teams and i think as he gets to grips with that focus moving forward he he could also be right in the mix and challenging uh sutton and Cameron. yeah he's also quite deprecating um dan robot very much so when uh you know obviously stephen mentioned he qualified quite low down at brown's hatch made even worse by having a three-place grid penalty for an incident in the last race at donington but um but yeah he's he very much uh looks inward when when apportioning blame and and it's and you know he said i just didn't get the best out of it blah 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 and 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 actually, it was just in a very wet qualifying session. Well, it went from being wet to very wet to wet to very wet. So, and he just he just didn't have he just didn't have the tyres on at the right time. And and mm-hmm. um, that, he wasn't the only one in that boat. But um, but yeah, and and obviously you're going to struggle from there. So um, so yeah, difficult start to the season. Also involved in that big red flag inducing shunt in the first race at, at Brands Hatch. 
Oh, no, I was going to talk about yeah. driving standards because uh-huh. a lot of people might have the 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 misconception perhaps that it's just that you know, a lot of tin top racing is just crash and bash and you know and using the car in front as a as a bit of a break <laughs> rather than slowing yourself down that's not true but saying that there was a big one last time out that uh that yeah red flag inducing so can you just talk a little bit about that um yeah i, I think that um it's just it's just one of those things that happens in motor racing sometimes. I mean, let, let's let's face it. If you're going to put the blame on anyone, you should put the blame on whoever decided putting 27 touring cars out on the track at the same time is a good idea. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> in all honesty, so you know, the the way I read it is that um, Dan Robotson got a run on Stephen Jelly coming out of clearways um, towards the end of the first lap. It's all very very busy. Um, it it looks from what I saw as though Stephen didn't quite realise that that Dan Robottom was there, moved across on him at Clark Curve, which is the sort of kink that takes you onto the start finish straight. There's contact. IEM was a little bit cross on Dan Robottom's behalf that he got uh, a license endorsement and a couple of penalty points for that. Because I thought Really? So, you mm. know, he's, he's coming up the inside and uh, looks like the other car hasn't seen him and he's just sort of had this guy moving across. As Dan said to me, his only alternative to avoiding a collision was to stamp on the brakes and then that's not a great idea in the middle of a touring car pack either. So, um, so yeah, just just an unfortunate thing, I'd say. And, and actually, you could, you could almost parallel that with um, Ash Sutton and Ricky Collard in the final race of the weekend um, where Ash got a run on Ricky coming onto the start finish straight and um, it looks like Ricky moves across to defend the line at Clark Curve and and Ash puts probably about 75% of his car on the grass and keeps his foot in to to get past him Um, but by doing that he's avoiding a collision so Mm. So, what do you? Yeah, how 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 do you how do you draw the line on that? I I just want to I just want to see good spectacular racing, really, and and um, and every now and then it's going to go slightly wrong, isn't it? Well, I guess so. But that, that does bring us nicely into you want to see good, spectacular yeah. racing. Uh, that does bring us on to, well, a couple of things firstly. We'll, we'll uh, ask Stephen a bit more about the support races and the toker package this year. Um, but, but a couple of things. People can go and see these races for, a, I think, a very reasonable price and hopefully somewhere near them because it races all over all over the country. What have the crowds been like this year and, and last year as well? I know the weather sometimes plays into that, but but what's the actual in-person support like for these, these race weekends at the moment? Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult for, for me to tell. Um, I tend to do most of my going around the track watching from various corners on the Saturday. So so on the Sunday, I'm finding a vantage point from within the paddock. Um, having said that, the paddock is just as rammed with people, uh, um, spectators, as it, uh, as it ever has been. Um, and um, I, I do think that we maybe, maybe it's a little bit early in the season to to work out whether whether the crowd levels are really helping up. I mean, we can't forget that the, you know, we have had the most absolutely dismal 
springtime. Um, mm. And, you know, for example, if I had been, if I had been a, a dad thinking of taking his family to Donington <laughs> on, the, on the Sunday for a day of British touring car action, uh, and then opened the, opened the curtains on the Sunday morning, mm-hmm. I'd have said, no, let's just stay in and watch the football on TV instead or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So- well, even, you know, even this weekend, even, you know, uh, a, a Snetterton Norfolk May weekend, I say this is someone who has, grew up in Norfolk, not far from Norwich, It's you, you still can't rely on it being, even at the end of May, a dry weekend in East Anglia. But, you know, it will race all over the country and Silverstone and the champion, you know, you think he'll get crowned probably at the last round of, of Brands Hatch. So there are some uh, some great circuits to go to and hopefully some some sunshine. But e- even when it's not uh, glorious sunshine, there's still a hardy few spectators out on the on the, uh, on the the spectator banks. Like, for example, mm. at Brands Hatch on the Saturday when it got very, very wet by the end of the day, but there was still <laughs> a few stuck it out right to the end. And... There, there, uh, there is that level of support for the touring car events that you just don't get at uh, so many of the other um, race meetings that take place in the UK. And then the the other issue is is where to see it as well. And now, of course, there there, there is a, a new long term contract with ITV, which ensures it stays on. Can we call it terrestrial telly? I don't know what we call it anymore until twenty twenty six qualifying. I you know. I, I spend so much of my time on on YouTube these days because I know that I can either watch stuff live or catch up. Qualifying is live streamed on the YouTube, but the races aren't. You have to go to ITVX for that. And again, I, I thought it was called ITV Player, which probably shows how out of touch and old I am. And I'm like, when did that change its name? <laughs> or watch, and it, I imagine- watch it on ITV4. Um, so or, or ITV4, actually on the telly. So I, I do so much streaming, though. Uh, ITVX... Of course, I guess they get control over the ads. So they could insert some adverts and make some money off of that. But of course, with touring cars, it is the legendary mammoth broadcast. They're on air for hours on ITV4. So if you you know if you can, I don't know, record that somehow. Uh, there's always that way of doing it. And so you there is an, a big investment of time to watch all these races. Um, but the highlight, but the important thing is the highlights packages are online as well. Do you think? Do you think the touring cars is distributed enough in terms of getting to fans where and when they want to consume their motor racing? There's a distinction between how much of a fan you are, if in, in a way. So you know, I would, I would say that if you're, if you're a, if you're a real super fan. If you live within an hour and a half or two hours of the circuit, go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you'll you'll want to be there. You you know you won't see everything because you can't. Um, yeah, we've mm. got um, Snetterton coming up for the next round, and we've got Thruxton after that. I mean, they're both circuits where uh, they're both absolutely brilliant to to go to, but um, just by their very nature, you aren't going to see. Uh, more, more than fifty. Well, certainly, it's it's less than fifty percent of the circuit that you can see from, uh, and sometimes even less than that, depending on where you're staying, uh, from where you're standing. But go to the go to the circuit, watch it on your ITVX catch up during the week, so that you see what you missed, or or record it on ITV4 and and watch that. For people who 
aren't close enough to the circuit for for people abroad, for example. I'm not I'm not quite sure what the um, what the reach is from mm. from the coverage. But I mean, one thing that I think would make it a little bit easier is if we had YouTube footage of the Sundays. But there'll be very sound reasons why we can't get that, and I would imagine it's the deal with ITVX. <laughs> so yeah, uh, which which gives the championship and all the support championships live coverage on what we old people martin would call terrestrial tv <laughs> <laughs> and that you know that is that is key there are so few series that get that le- itv sport have done an amazing job with touring cars over the years you know that level of coverage is is brilliant but yeah you can go along this weekend to go to to snetterton and for 45 quid for general admission that's for, for a weekend ticket that's t- two days like i think i paid that to take my five-year-old to pepper pig world for, for about three hours till he got he got bored which i thought was kind of fine value really um but that is you know that is for a weekend a saturday sunday weekend admission and of course if you've got a family and you got under 13s they go free what a great way to get your kids into into motor racing if they haven't and, and you know you got to go somewhere at the weekends and that's such a i think a really good deal for a weekend not just a day out but a weekend out i think that's i think it's really good i, I think it, i think it's very good value if you if you compare it to the cost of tickets to um to premier league football match or, or what have you and, and don't forget those events only go on for an hour and a half or or an hour and 45 minutes depending on who's playing and who's who has who has loads of stoppage time a, a btcc race meeting is it's non-stop action uh, depending on the circuit uh, and the, the various protocols they've got in place it, you could have non-stop action from nine o'clock in the morning through to 6 p.m um, so it's so it's um, yeah it's, it's fantastic fantastic value i think for uh, for the entertainment that you get which leads us on to, this is great this is leading us on to the next a perfect segue thank you um into the taker support package for 2023 it's not exactly the same i doubt i had to bring it up to make sure i'm, I'm right it's not exactly the same for all the events um Stephen. But there's the Porsche Carrera Cup and the Porsche Sprint Challenge, and they kind of alternate. There's the Mini Challenge, and that's either the JCW or the Trophy. And then there's British F4. Uh, there's the Legends, the Radicals, some more Minis, and some Caterhams as well. But that's only for Silverstone. So so for this weekend, for Snet, uh, you've got the Radicals, the Porsche Sprint Challenge, um, the Mini Challenge, British F4. Again, for listeners who might not know we won't go deep into all of those but for listeners who might not know just give us the kind of the overview on how exciting that is to to for you to you know report on this stuff and for us to go and watch it as fans well one of the, the reasons why I, I enjoy reporting on the, the sport championships is because alongside the touring cars you've just got this great variety of different categories in terms of you've got the single seaters of, of british f4 you've got the sports cars of the carrera cup you've got sort of staled down touring car in the in the minis and this year as you mentioned martin there's an even greater variety than usual because following the the departure of janetta uh leaving the british touring car championship support bill uh, we've got a number of different guest categories that are adding an even greater mix of different series to the to those events and last week last time out we had the the legends at brands which 
32 of those pounding around the indie circuit were, were quite a sight and there was some spectacular racing and for, for good and, and bad reasons there was some spectacular racing yeah and i love i love the legend so much there um i don't know i would say two-thirds size but i'm sure there is a ratio uh it's but... a, actually five eighths oh, is, uh, is the official <laughs> verdict so i love almost. these cars they, <laughs> they look so quick and the action is always brilliant uh, sometimes they share drivers as well. It's, it is, but that is all available online. They do a great job of of, of their media partners. Um, uh, they don't use the ITV stuff, but uh, they do a great job of getting that out online as well. And uh, it's just such good action um, to to follow. Uh, the Radicals is it the Radicals yeah, this weekend at Snetterton? Yeah, so they they've got their uh, token debut this this coming weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So they they've re um sort of revamp that championship for this year. In, in the past, they've had two separate championships for SR1s and other uh, SR3 models, but now they're all, all combined together into one bigger grid. And so that, that should be interesting to see how that, that plays out. And they're also at um, the following round at Alton Park as well. So they, they've got two uh, two bites of the, the touring car cherry, so to speak. Mm. Um, and then uh, alongside them, we, we've got the, the more traditional supports like uh, British F4, which looks to be a, a, an interesting season th- this year because we had uh, Louis Sharp, for want of a better word, dominated the, the Donington Park weekend. He achieved the remarkable feat of winning a, the reverse grid race from 20th on the grid. It, yes, he was helped by the wet and safety cars and different things, but just to climb from 20th to first in a 20-minute race mm-hmm. is spectacular and it's certainly not something we, we've seen in F, f4 before that was such, um, such a he, cool before i mean you know the, the the kid he's still still 15 wasn't he at donnington i think yeah just such a cool and measured performance and yeah so much ability it's a real pleasure to watch things like that isn't it it's so Absolutely. good Stephen and i did a, a podcast a little a couple of weeks ago and i was saying to uh, to one of the young guys, I forget who it was, we, we, we were talking to, and I said, oh, so you know, when you're not on track, what are you doing? Is it is it you sim racing, you training, you watching YouTube videos of other racers? Uh, and he was like, well, school? Oh, yeah, of course, you're 15. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, but I was like, oh, yes, of course. That, of course, you're a full-time student. It's just amazing how good these drivers are at that age. Absolutely. And it's, it's so easy to forget that sometimes, just how young these drivers are and how accomplished and composed they are under the pressure under the spotlight of competing in, in a high level uh championship mm. and unfortunately for for louis things didn't go quite so well at at brands hatch last time out he he got caught out by the the sort of tricky wet qualifying conditions and then he, he got involved in an incident in, in the opening race but even despite that he still extended his points lead so he's certainly going to be one to watch uh this year but the, equally the 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 three Brands Hatch wins were shared between three different drivers and there's there's plenty of others who have got that potential to challenge at the front and take the fight to him. And what's the state of British F4? Are, are people still coming from around the world to base themselves here to compete in that series or is it mostly homegrown talent? Yeah, it's interesting. This is the second year since uh, British governing body Motorsport UK took over the, the promotion of that championship and it's also the second year of the, the new generation two fia four cars and it's currently on um, 
hovering between 20 and 21 cars on the grid, which is a, a decent number for a championship that is expensive to, to compete in. And it's got a, a wide variety of different nationalities taking part um, from drivers like, like Louis Sharp, who's, who's from New Zealand, and there's, there's Indian drivers. There's a, a big mix of, of different nationalities, and there's still, as you'd expect, a, a British contingent uh, in there as well. And one of the winners, for example, at, um, at Brands Hatch last time out was Kanata Lee, who's, who's Japanese and who's, who's been racing over in the UK for a few years in, in Ginetta Junior and, and now stepped up to F4. So it, it is attracting, it's starting to attract more people from other countries. It's still the, the very strong F4 championships in Europe that mm. attracting most of the European drivers, but from further afield, there are quite a few drivers heading to the, the British series. We had Karun Chandok on the podcast last year because he's involved with Motorsport UK now and was involved in bringing bringing this to fruition. And so that was that, I think that was before the season last year. Mm. But he was certainly really excited about where this could be in terms of the single seater ladder up up upwards, so to speak. Do you think it's delivering on that? I think it, it's certainly taken a step forward compared to how things were, particularly at the start of last year, even. Back then, the grid numbers were sort of hovering around 15. Now we're up to 20s, and there's potential for quite a few more uh, drivers to join later in this year. And single-seaters in in the UK generally are looking a little bit more buoyant this year. We've got a huge grid of 25 cars in, in GB3 as well. Um, so there's, there's certainly a, a degree of re- revival there, I, I would say. I, I know, we're still not back to how... Uh, the UK was the place uh, in decades gone by. We're still not at that point yet, but we're certainly further towards that than we have been for a few years, I, I believe. And I know this is something that, that Marcus has kept a, a close eye on o- over the years. And I think it's encouraging to see that we are starting to head in, in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think I think we have, to, we have to be a little bit accepting of the, you know, the fact that the landscape has changed a little bit you know, since since the days when Britain was the place to come. Um, so in the Italian Championship got 40 cars for its first round this year. Um, and grids realistically there are going to be in the mid-30s. Um, the Spanish Championship got 30 cars for its first round in, at Spa last weekend. So we're, we're behind both of those championships. But we should also remember that the, the Italian Championship is promoted by WSK, which is the same people who run the world karting. So train our minds to perhaps there's a little F4 pyramid in Europe, if you like, where the Italian mm. championship is the peak. And you can't you can't really dispute that. They've got Ferrari juniors, Red Bull juniors, McLaren juniors um, among, um, amongst their massive fields. And then the, the Spanish and the British championships are possibly alongside in the sort of slight tier down then. And, and actually, you know, we saw Ugo Ugachukwu, the very talented American, who finished runner-up. Was he runner-up, Stephen, in the British Championship last year? He was third right, in the th- end. third in the end. And, and he's gone now to the Italian Championship um, to race with Prima for his second year of racing. And among his teammates are two Ferrari juniors and one Red Bull junior. <laughs> so, um, and he's doing very well. Uh, but he's not he's not leading the championship, but he's doing very well. I think he's second at the moment in the points. So, um, and, and we've also got the French championship, which 
Um, but that's centrally run, and it's slightly so slightly different concept there. But uh, but they had twenty five cars for their first round. So so F four in general is really healthy. But I think yeah, it's it's no it's no disgrace for the British Championship not to be the biggest and most prestigious in Europe. But and I think working towards an acceptance of that rather than rather than saying we're in competition with the Italian Championship. Um, or the Spanish Championship, or what have you. I, I think that the I think working towards that acceptance has has potentially made it stronger, um, and it's great to see. It was was it twenty one cars, Stephen, for the first round at Donington. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And there's another one coming out as well, isn't there? Shortly, because the driver isn't fifteen yet, yes. <laughs> but he's been doing test sessions. So what <laughs> so um so yeah it's it's um it's good to see and as Stephen mentioned gb3 is really strong as well gb4's picked up a bit on last year so um wow we're in the blooming cost of living crisis yet yeah i know families are spending a fortune on their sons racing and, and daughters racing careers so um, well that's a good point actually i mean uh, in the touring cars we see jade edwards not off the uh the bottom of the points table yet you're yet to score a point there but that's a oh, man that is something that that continues to 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 interest me frustrate me i guess in, in equal measure as a as a dad to a boy it almost seems if I was talking to other dads at, at the schools, oh, you know, he's getting into karting, he really likes his cars. That would be still kind of, oh, okay, that's I, that's okay, then that's normal. But if I was dad to a daughter and said, oh, she's really into karting, she wants to be a Formula One world champion, even then, amongst open-minded people, they'd still be like, oh, oh, wow. Like, sort of, it frustrates me in, in, in equal measure. Um, are there some standout female drivers that are, that are coming up, Stephen, in these support races, and 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 yeah, it's a it's a whole sub- subject for a different podcast. Uh, but but what's being done in those those series, particularly things like F4, people are coming up that are a bit younger to to get more female drivers in. There's not an easy answer that's going to suddenly transform the situation, and you have I don't know, say a ten percent or fifteen twenty percent of each grid suddenly has a is, is made up of female drivers. But there, I think the point that you made about jade edwards it's just important that there are some of these drivers out there that show the young girls coming through the karting that there is the potential to to climb the ranks and it, it for example in in mini challenge there's a driver called lydia warmsley who's been this is her strongest season so far this year and she's been in the mix not quite got the results it hasn't always played out quite in in the final sort of standings but she's certainly taken a step forward and i think it, it it's it's going to take time we've seen the introduction of w series it in the past it has there has been a, a pickup in young girls sort of taking up karting off the back of that and now it's just a case of waiting for that to filter through into the into the actual single seaters and the other championships and it will take time but at least those conversations are now being had whereas in the past they wouldn't have been necessarily. Well, absolutely. We're looking forward to some brilliant racing this weekend. The minis, we haven't got onto the minis and we've run out of time. Uh, they are just so good to uh, to go and watch, whether uh, you want to go for the whole weekend and 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 you should and go and make go and make a weekend of it yeah some fantastic week action this weekend to uh, to look out for and across the whole of the 10 events in 2023 you can find out all the details online of course go to autosport.com and touring cars 
has a section at the top. I don't know what the technical name is on the website, but it's a it's a it's a section. <laughs> I'll call it that. Uh, and you can roll over. And you can find out all the latest news. You can follow all of the action from touring cars and all the the brilliant writing that marcus does online at autosport.com it's, it's the touring car compartment on the website i think is, it a compartment? <laughs> is that what it, yeah it's the compartment. uh and of course if you would like autosport magazine dropping through your letterbox so you can see the wonderful pictures that we put in all these fantastic reports that we do as well and you can subscribe online go to autosport.com slash Plus, the usual subscription thing, you can either pay monthly or yearly. You can sign up for your first 30 days for free to see what it's all about. You get the digital access online. And if you, like me, enjoy a magazine, because, uh, yes, I do read stuff on my iPad and my phone, but nothing compares to sort of sitting down, cup of tea, a quiet five minutes, if ever that happens, uh, to just read your favourite magazines. Get that... Let that be your treat that drops through the letterbox, uh, your moment of, uh, of peace, of quiet, of, of interest in motorsport. Uh, you can get Autosport magazine delivered and you can find out all the details online, autosport.com forward slash plus. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time today. Enjoy this weekend. I hope the Norfolk weather is good <laughs> to you. Whatever it is, it'll be, be fascinating. Well, last year it was about 35 degrees, wasn't it, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we can probably rule out that one this time, in, in theory. But, but who knows? We shall see. <laughs> Enjoy Snetterton. And if you've listened to this podcast now and you've thought, you know what? Go on then. 45 quid for a whole weekend. Then why not grab yourself some tickets? Grab the family. Go and see what it's all about. And just immerse yourself in what is a brilliant, brilliant weekend of motor racing. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.